Take your Bible, please. Find Galatians chapter 5 again this morning. Galatians chapter 5. I'm so glad you're here this morning. It's been a great day and a little colder today. Did y'all notice that? It's a little bit colder. Even uh, even y'all are cold, I would imagine. But uh, what a joy to be with you. I've enjoyed being able to preach with Brother Harold, Brother Vaughn, and he always helps me. And uh, I find myself uh, wondering what he's going to say next. And uh, that's always exciting. And I am just so thankful we've had these days together. I have uh, told you about my wife, haven't I? I, uh, I uh, let's see here. I got a photo for y'all today. Look at that. Doesn't she look beautiful? And I thought it'd be good to just bring it right in here. She sent me a text a moment ago of Mickey and Minnie kissing. And I thought, this is a good sign. And uh, she uh, flirt texts with me. Can you believe that? I, uh, I get a lot of those. I replied to one of her texts one morning. She sent me a text, and uh, she and my daughter were traveling together, and she sent me a text because my daughter had bought a new dress, and she just sh- you know, shot me that text. And I looked down, saw that it was my wife, picture of my daughter, and I thought, you know what? She's over there, and I'm over here, and so I should flirt text with her. So I, I, I voice texted. I got my phone, and I was like, hey, baby doll, and uh, comma, this is your man, exclamation point. And I just laid it on the line real thick. And then I hit send, and that's when I realized that she had not only sent that picture to me, but she had also sent it to my mother-in-law. And uh, so my reply went to my wife and to my mother-in-law, and, uh, and my mom-in-law replied. She said, I had no idea. And I was like, that is just wrong. It was just wrong. So I'm very careful now when I flirt text my wife to make sure that it's going to one person and one person only. But uh, that's the love of my life. We've been talking a lot in these last few days from Galatians chapter 5, and I know it'll be lunchtime in just a few moments, so let's review a little bit. We started a few days ago with our first proposal. You cannot go wrong resting, resting, and rejoicing in the power of the work and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You agree with that, don't you? And then we talk a little bit on our second proposal. You cannot advance unless you're willing to be aware of and address the failures in your life. And then the third proposal, we talked about you are not to be controlled by the works of your flesh. This is not how a Christian should live. There's a better way to live if you're a child of God. The works of the flesh will destroy you. They'll damage you. They'll hurt you. They'll hinder you. And if you allow them, they'll win. But God has a better plan for you. And so this morning, uh, I well, yesterday afternoon, I guess it was, we talked about uh, the fourth proposal. You are to experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And this morning, I'm really just continuing that idea because I want to talk to you on the proposal. You are to depend on the Spirit to live His life in you and through you. Uh, Victorious Christian living is when the Spirit of God is living in you and living through you. His life in you. His life through you. Now, we hear that a lot, don't we? And if, if you're in a group like us, that becomes familiar terminology. How many of you are aware of the fact that understanding is different than reality? Are you aware of that? You can understand all of this. Yeah, I, I, I know the Holy Spirit's God. I know the Holy Spirit lives in us. But uh, God doesn't want you just to understand. He wants it to be useful in your life. He wants it to make a difference in your life. You believe that, don't you? I know a lot of guys will go to seminary and they learn amazing theological truths that make no difference in their life. Nobody, nobody gets saved because they went to seminary. They don't have more victory in their life because they went to so They know all this stuff. They're highly educated, but uh, as dumb as a coal bucket when it comes to to just, uh, uh, when, it, when it comes down right to it, there's just nothing to it. It's, it's, of, it's of no value. God doesn't want you to hear all this stuff about the Holy Spirit 
and understand he's life and he's alive and he's real. He wants it to be useful in your life. He wants you to make a difference so that you're not defeated. You're not discouraged. Uh, you can learn. You can learn without living. You know, I, we talk a lot about revival, and I, I'm convinced the more I talk about revival, a revival that makes no difference is not a genuine revival. God wants us to have revival because He wants us to make a difference in our life. It ought to make a difference in your life. If you have revival, it ought to show up. There ought to be some new joy in your life. Y'all you believe that. If you're going to have revival, what doesn't He say, well, thou not revive us again that thy people may what? Rejoice in thee. Well, if you're, you know, I'm having revival, but I'm so down and so discouraged and so defeated, and there's no joy and there's no happiness and no victory. Well, if we're having a church and that's having revival and, and, and there's no joy there, then probably we need to go a little further in revival so we can get the joy of the Lord in our life. The joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. And God wants you to have joy. That's a result of revival. A revival that makes no difference is there's something missing. When I say, well, we're having revival, but our churches are, are dying and nobody's getting saved and the churches aren't growing and the baptistry's empty and full of cobwebs, and yet we're having, we're having revival, but, but nobody's added to the church and there's no new converts. Every church needs new converts. Did you know that? New converts really mess up a church. They just really do, and they bring baggage. Converts today are, are, are massive in their baggage. It's almost hysterical, the baggage people bring. I was in this one church, and there was this couple in the church, and, and I knew the moment I saw them that they were new converts. I just knew it. And uh, part of it was that they didn't look like everybody else. I mean, it's like they kind of stuck out a little bit. It was like, hmm, they're probably not one of us. And, uh, and you know what I mean by that, just the way they dress. But then it really wasn't that that really got my attention. Part of the reason I knew that they were newly saved is their response to everything. Didn't matter what I preached, they were like, and he would look at his wife and he was like, and, and, his, and they came forward every service and they're like, oh, and they'd hug me. I had no idea. And, uh, you know, and I always am worried when a lady hugs me. I, I'm worried about that. And, and, and normally my wife is always right here. And there's a great advantage to that. I was in one revival in Alabama, and uh, there was a, a tiny little country church. It was, the little town was so small, you wouldn't have known it was a town unless you had seen the welcome to such and such town sign. And um, we're in this little country church, and, and uh, the pastor had become friends with an African-American congregation around the corner, and, and those two churches would get together for meetings. And so we, we got the two churches together, and, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a different style of worship. And, and it made our services rather lively because I'd preach and, and uh, one half of the congregation would really talk to me while I was preaching. Mm-hmm. There was this one lady. She's a pretty big lady, but, but I'd preach. She'd go, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I'd say, you know the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. In fact, what she called me was, I'll never forget, she called me little preacher man. <laughs> and, and she'd say, mm-hmm, little preacher man. And uh, it's, it's good, it's good, little preacher. And, and I just, I just love the services are electrified. And she was, she's probably six foot something. And, and what I will, oh, I was just this young kid preacher. And, and, uh, and, and when the revival came to an end, God had just worked in our hearts. It was just one of those revivals where there was joy everywhere and folks were getting saved and we had folks baptized. And I will never forget it because she came around the front of the auditorium. The revival is over. The services are all done. It's our, we're packing up, you know, our, our equipment and stuff. And she came around the front and she said, hmm, little preacher man. She said, give me some loving. And, and, and I will never forget this because she scooped over picked me up off the ground and my little legs are dangling and, I, and, uh, and you know you would think a person's wife would help with this instead my wife was in the back of the auditorium laying on the ground dying with laughter 
because I was so embarrassed. I was, I'm telling you, my face was, I was so red with embarrassment. And, and, and I, I, so here, here's this crowd. They're like that. This young couple, this is, a, this is a fundamental Baptist church, and here's two people in the front row alive. And it was obvious they were newly saved. So on Thursday night, the pastor says to me, he says, hey, Brother Dave, I need some advice. And, and you know, I'm an evangelist, so I can give that. And, uh, and so, so he said, I need some advice, Brother Dave. He said, uh, that new couple, you know, that con, they're, they're just newly saved, and they want to join the church and get baptized. And he said, well, yeah, a little bit of a problem. He said, because they're actually living together, and they've got two children. This, this is easy. Marry them. Do you? Do you? Praise God. Dunk them. And uh, <laughs> hold them under till they say tithe. And uh, <laughs> so this is easy. Marry them. He said, but I can't marry them. I said, okay, where are we going with this? He said, she's married to a guy here in town. He's living with a woman. They got two kids. He's married to a lady here in town. She's living with a man. They got three kids. He goes like this, what would you do? <laughs> and here was my answer. I'd go into evangelism. Because <laughs> quite frankly, Dr. Van Gelder and I have no idea, but I'm leaving town. God bless you. It's all yours. It is just one. There are some great advantages to being an evangelist. I, you know, good luck. I don't know. I looked through the Bible. Never did I find in the Bible where it said, if thou hastest a couplest in thy churches that just God has saved us and they are living us together, but they are married us to somebody that's across town. There's no answer. <laughs> I have no idea. And, and, and here's, here's the whole point. Don't you think that we need some new converts in our church? Shouldn't a revival make a difference? And, and here's, here's where I am this morning. God has saved me and you and given us the Holy Spirit so that His life can be lived in us and through us and it will make a difference. Now look in the text and he says three different things in the text about us and the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 is the first one. This I say then, read it out loud. What's the first word? Walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now in verse 18, he says this, but if ye be, what's the word? Led. If ye be, everybody say it, if ye be, one more time, if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Then you get down into verse 25, and he says if we, okay, everybody, verse 25, if we, so there's three things he says here. I'm to walk in the Spirit, I'm to be led of the Spirit. I'm to live in the Spirit, and then he ends right back where he started in verse 16. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, I did some word studying on these, these words. If we walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. I think I have a, a, uh, a screen for it. He calls it a walk. All right, whatever this means, to be led of the Spirit, he calls it a walk. Now, let me uh, illustrate as best I can tell what this word means. What's your name, son? Taylor. Come here, Taylor. You got the cool hair in the school. And uh, step up here, Taylor. Now, Taylor, don't be awkward about this. I'm a nice guy and uh, happily married. And uh, you and I are going to link arms here, and we're going to walk together. Now, the idea of this word walk is in step with. All right, in step with. You ever, you ever see somebody walk? You say, right foot and left foot, and we're in step together. Isn't this exciting? <laughs> and uh, you see that, see that word? It means, it means to be in step with, to walk with, in step with. In other words, the Holy Spirit's a part of my life, and the Holy Spirit and I are to walk together. See, we right? The Holy Spirit and I are to walk together through life. I, I, I preach a lot in Moldova, and uh, you can have a seat. I'll bring you up in a moment just to get. But uh, in uh, Moldova, I was preaching in Moldova, and it's a different culture. And I was caught off guard my first day in Moldova. I was preaching to a teen camp, about 500 unsaved teenagers. And, uh, and, and I came out of my room where I was staying, and I saw these two teenage guys. They were walking along together, and they were holding hands. They are just walking along, holding hands in step. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an American, and I'm a redneck besides that. And, 
And, and I'm a Bible believer on top of that. And I was uncomfortable about this. And I those two guys are holding hands. So I said to my friend who uh, had invited me there to preach, I said, did you see those two guys holding hands? Oh, he said, yeah, I'm sorry. He said, I should have told you. He said, over here, that's no big deal. If you're good buddies with somebody, you hold hands with them. Now, how many of y'all are thankful you live here and not there, huh? <laughs> Could you see the guys at BCM? <laughs> That'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? But, but in all sincerity, I had to get used to that because the guys, the guys would sit, to, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd sit and might hold another guy's hand. Nobody thought a thing about it. Nobody batted an eye. And, and there was, you know, nobody was battling, you know, any issues. Uh, that was just a sign of friendship. They held hands with each other. Nobody, nobody was bothered by it at all. And, and this idea of walking with the Holy Spirit is that I, I, I get to know Him in such a way that I'm walking in step with Him. As I'm getting my day going, I'm aware of the Holy Spirit, I'm walking with Him. I'm, I'm in step with Him. What He wants is what I want. How He's leading me, that's how I'm, and that's the second word here. The second word is He calls it, He calls it being led of the Spirit. All right? Now, here's the idea. Come up here. And uh, tell me your name again. Taylor. All right, Taylor, that's right, Taylor. All right. Taylor, he, uh, he calls it being led. Now, now, forgive me for this, but, but here's the idea of being led. All right, you ready? This is the idea. This is, it's, oh, is it a zip tie? That's a cool tie. I don't even know. They still made those things. And, uh, and, and, and so being led. Now, here, here's, here's something cool. Let me show you something. Um, this is Peyton. I knew if I put that up there, people would go, ah. And uh, Peyton, Peyton is my puppy. And uh, Peyton is hysterical. She, she's, uh, she's a lively little thing. And when I walk her, this is what people say to me. When I walk Peyton, she has this thing. She loves to play. She's very active. So when I'm walking Peyton, she's on a leash. She always grabs the leash in her mouth. So I'll be walking Peyton. She has the leash in her mouth. And she walks. Once she gets something in her mouth, she puts her head up like, ain't I something? And, and, and this is why I've had people say this to me because I travel with her. People will say, who's walking who here? Because my dog's out in front. I got the leash, but my dog's got the leash in her mouth. <laughs> and I'm behind the dog looking like I'm the one being led by a puppy. Okay, you can, you can have, have a seat. But here, here's, uh, here, here's the, the point of this. The fact of the matter is, I am to be led of the Spirit. How many times in your life do you, you come to a place where you don't know what to do? You have the Holy Spirit, don't you? He's real, isn't he? I'm to be led by him. And, and, and I don't want to go any further than, than this text goes, but I'm to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I'm to take the steps He takes. I'm, I'm to move when He moves. I'm to go when He goes. I'm to stop when He stops. The Holy Spirit's to be that real in my life. I, uh, I, I'm to be led by Him. I, uh, I grew up on a farm, and, and, and we would train animals for show. And one of the hardest things to train an animal is, is to, to be led. I'd have to train a cow. You, you've discovered how much I like cows. And, uh, and, and I, I, would, I would put that leash on the cow and the halter. And then I'd, I'd you know, attach the leash. And by nature, a cow, if you try to lead her, will resist. She will bow up. No, I am not doing it. I don't like this around my neck. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. A cow is very different than a dog. You put a leash on a dog, it'll take it in its mouth and lead you. But you put a leash on a cow, and the cow is like us. The cow will resist. You, you've experienced that, haven't you? The Bible even uses that terminology uh, about resisting the Holy Spirit. Because He wants to lead our lives. You know, He does know more than you know. He does know better than you know. He knows more than you know. 
and he wants to lead your life. This is the word he's using here in the text. In the 16th verse, walk in the Spirit. In the 18th verse, be led of the Spirit. And then in the next verse, he calls it living in the Spirit. So my whole life is to be about the Holy Spirit alive in me. Remember Galatians 2.20? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but... Christ liveth in me. What does it mean, Christ living in me? And he says, the life which I now live, I'm dead. I don't know what I ought to do. I don't know how to do it. I'm always going to fail and struggle and battle and, uh, and, and give in and be defeated and be discouraged and be down. But God says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. In fact, I am the Holy Spirit and I, I, I'm in your life and I live inside of you and you were crucified with me. So I've already defeated your sin at Calvary and now you need help overcoming it and you need help serving me. So, so let me move into your life and let me just take over. Let me lead your life. Look to me. Let me, let me have my way in your life. And, and practically speak, and I, I want to throw these at you and we'll go to lunch. Here's my proposal. We're to depend on him to live his life in us and through us. And so four things I'll teach you and we'll go to lunch. I ought to make it a habit of looking to him. I ought to make it a habit of looking to him. Now I have five children and uh, my children are always looking at me to see if I approve, to see if I forgave, to see if I am pleased, or to see if I am teasing. You, you know that I have that tendency. And um, I, I'm, I'm always joking. My, my kids have learned to look at me. They'll look at me. Like my, my son will say, Dad, what kind of tree is that? I don't have a clue. So I just make something up. That is a three-pronged cedar tree. <laughs> You're like, they always look. Now, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You can obviously tell that, right? But, but it is the idea. I'm looking. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? I'm looking to you. I'm looking your direction. I, I'm, I'm looking at you. I said to my son one day, we were driving. We lived in Ohio at the time. And uh, this is not a Michigan tie, just for the record. Because I lived in Ohio. I would probably, if I had to choose between the two, choose a different team with a different color. And uh, did I just split the audience? <laughs> I have a church split right here. Uh, but, but I was driving in Ohio. We're going from where we live to Amish country. You ever been to Amish country in Ohio? So we're going to Amish country. Well, as you're driving from where we live to Amish country, there's a, an electricity plant along one of the rivers in this little town over there. And here's these big stacks. And out of the stacks is coming all this white smoke. Well, I've, I've joked about this my entire life. So I said to my son and my daughter, I said, uh, those are cloud makers. That's where they make clouds. We, we went to, I don't know how many times we've been to Amish country. Every time we went to Amish country, I would say to the kids, those are cloud makers. That's where the clouds come from. They come out of those, those, those clouds come out of there, and that's where you get clouds from. And, and I, I got to say, I assumed they knew I was joking. My son Joshua is rather gullible. Anybody have a brother or sister like that? Do you know somebody like that that's kind of gullible? My daughter one day at the table said to Joshua, she said, uh, you know, if you say green beans real slow, it sounds like gullible. My Joshua goes, green beans. No, it doesn't. And she said, you didn't say it slow enough. <laughs> so my sister's my son, Josh. Green beans. She goes, no, it doesn't. She said, no, you said it too slow that time. <laughs> and this is my Joshua. So I should have known. So I, I, I don't know, about seven years ago, I hired a guy named Micah Self to travel with me. 
and, and we were in Ohio, and I said, we're going to take you to Amish country, one of our favorite places in the world to go. We're driving out through the country, and all of a sudden, I saw those towers. My son's in Bible college. He's home from Bible college. We're on break from Bible college. We're going to Amish country. We're all in our 15-passenger van. We're a good homeschool family. And uh, we're in our 15-passenger van, and we're all in there, and we're having a big time. It's a day off. And I see those those smokestacks over there, billowing white smoke. And I said, Brother Self, we used to always tease the kids that those were cloud makers. And my Joshua goes, Dad, I didn't know you were teasing. And I, and I thought he was joking. I was like, that's pretty funny. And he goes, no, really, I always thought clouds came out of those. How can you think that? What in the world? I mean, for crying out loud. He's married now, and I will tell you every morning I get on my knees and say, Dear Lord, help his wife. And uh, it's the truth. So, you, know, you know that picture? Do you ever do this when you were a kid? Did you ever look at your parents? What, what's, what's dad think about this? Did you ever get in trouble with your parents and you looked at them to see if everything was okay? Is everything okay? You know? That would happen a lot in revivals. You, you had kids on the front row, didn't you? And I'd, you know, I'd be in a revival, and sometimes I'd have to get on a kid. And I'd be up here on the side. We're all singing Amazing Grace, and I'm doing the eye. <laughs> and, and straighten up, you know. And what are you, what are you thinking of? Straighten up. Got to hurt the offering. And, you know, so I'm really on to the kids down here. And then I would notice that they'd, they'd watch me then. They wanted to know. Because here's what they wanted to know. Is this a, uh, is everything okay or is this a spanking matter? <laughs> you know, is this okay? Are we, are we good? You know? Now, this, this is the idea of, of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's God. He's real. He's a person. And he has, he has vested interest in me because I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit has moved into my life to, to direct me, to grow me to take God's word and make me more like Jesus. So the first thing I've got I've to do is I've got to look to him. Here's, here's the second thing that I've learned in my life. I've got to listen to him. Now, now, do you believe the Holy Spirit is real? Do you believe he talks? Then you've got to learn to listen to him. You've got to learn to listen. When's the last time you just ask him for help? I remember a number of years ago I was preaching in Vegas, Las Vegas that is, and uh, I had a prayer meeting on a Saturday morning. They had given me a little um, uh, 1500 Dodge Ram. It was a blue truck with these cool wheels on it to drive. And uh, I was parked out behind a church. We're having a prayer meeting at a restaurant uh, just off the Las Vegas Boulevard, which is where all the casinos and things are. And uh, the restaurants, you got to go across the boulevard to get to the restaurant. They had a banquet room there. All the men were meeting there. We're going to have breakfast together. I'm going to speak on prayer. We're going to have a prayer meeting at that, that restaurant's banquet room. So early that morning, got up, had my devotions, got my Bible, got dressed, got my Bible, go out to the truck, crank it up, just me and the Lord in the truck, put my Bible over there. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to go pray with the men, get this revival started off right. I get in the truck. I leave the parking lot, go down um, Blue Diamond Boulevard to the Interstate 15, make a left-hand turn, go up Interstate 15, take Tropicana Boulevard, come off the exit, I turn right, I go down to this traffic light, and here is the Las Vegas Boulevard. It's where all the garbage occurs in Vegas. I'm at this Las Vegas Boulevard. I can see the restaurant. I got to go through this light, through one more light, and the restaurant's up there on the right. I can see it. We got a bank, and the men are probably already there, because I'm just on the edge of the time. I'm sitting in this traffic light, 
And uh, if you've ever been to Vegas, you know, there's lights and billboards and flashing, you know, marquee. And, and uh, so I'm sitting at this traffic light. I'm not on an internet chat room. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm, I'm going to a prayer meeting. And, and all of a sudden, there's a billboard in front of me, probably 45 feet tall, maybe 45 feet wide, huge billboard. And it is one of those, uh, uh, it, it lights up. It's like a digital screen. And I wasn't really paying attention to it. I mean, they're, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about what I'm about to preach to these guys. And, and uh, you know, I'm thinking about a revival coming up that week. I'm sitting in a traffic light, light's red. I'm sitting here. And then all of a sudden, that billboard switched images to an absolutely garbage-filled image. It, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't technically the, the most wicked pornographic-type image. But I'm telling you, it was, just, it was just evil. All of a sudden, here, I'm in a traffic light. And there's garbage. I mean, 45 by 45 right there in front of me. Boom. Just across the, just across the caddy corner, right there is this huge image. And uh, really, I, I, I was caught off guard. Whoa. And out loud in the truck, I said this. Holy Spirit, I need your purity. Holy Spirit, I need your, what I'm going to, I'm looking to him and listening to him. Holy Spirit, I, I need your purity. And I'm serious about this. The Holy Spirit immediately, immediately prompted me to reach up and pull down the sin visor. Does your car have a sin visor? Just pull that sin visor right down. Boom! Can't see that billboard now. I, I, I just, I was, I was just, I froze. Here I'm, 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 I'm walking with God. I, I know things are right between me and the Lord. I'm going to a prayer meeting and teach him how to pray. And here I am sitting here. It's early morning and the traffic's not heavy. We're going to meet for prayer. We're going to go serve the Lord. And all of a sudden, here's a massive temptation of garbage. I mean, larger than anything I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not strong enough to overcome that. I don't have the ability. The works of the flesh so easily tempt me. But I have the Holy Spirit. I cried out to Him. Help! And I'm serious. Boom! Pull it down! I could not see that billboard, neither could I see the red light. But I figured when the person beside me goes, I'm going. I hope they're walking with God too. <laughs> and I drove through that light, listen to me, with a pure heart. Not because I'm a mighty man of God, because I'm not. Not because I finally know how to handle the temptations of this world. Because I usually don't. But the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. And I can, I can, through His power, see His life. It's His life. I can look to Him. I can listen to Him. I, uh, I sometimes, it's going to catch you off guard. I probably shouldn't tell you this because it's going to catch you off guard. Sometimes, sometimes, can't believe I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes my wife and I have a disagreement. I know you're going to find that hard to believe because I'm the nicest guy in the world. I can't believe how often she's wrong. And um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes my wife and I will have a disagreement. How many of you would find that shocking? Would you find, anybody ever find that shocking or would you like, well, you know, I kind of expect that. Would you kind of expect that? I mean, does, do your parents ever disagree? Do you ever disagree with a roommate? Come on, you guys can't be that holy. <laughs> so sometimes my wife and I don't see things eye to eye. Sometimes, sometimes we get out of bed on the wrong side of the bed and, you know, she says something hurts my feelings. Or I'll say something hurt her, her feet. Next thing you know, we got a little problem here. Sometimes my wife, sometimes my wife 
uh, being the one who, who is more emotional, um, she, she sometimes will just unload. Just, just, just unload on me. And next thing you know, I'm getting tense. I, I, I can't believe. I can't believe. She, I, I'm feeling offended. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't. That's not what I said. And I get defensive. I start, I start feeling tempted by the works of the flesh. You know what I've learned? I, I don't have the wisdom to know how to always answer the issues that come up in my marriage. But the Holy Spirit does. So you know what I've learned to do? Sitting at a, a traffic light in Vegas, I said, help your purity, Lord. I said that out loud. Many times, my wife and I, if I sense that we've got a conflict of interest coming on here, I've done this many times. Holy Spirit, I don't say it out loud. That probably wouldn't help the situation necessarily. <laughs> Excuse me, sweetheart. Holy Spirit of God, help me to help my godly wife here. That, that might not be the best way to handle it, but the Holy Spirit is real in my life, and I've said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me your wisdom. I don't know what to say, and if I say something, I'm probably going to say the wrong thing. I saw this meme. <laughs> it's this couple, and uh, they're rocking outside, you know, on the front porch, older couple, and he says to her, you're a wonderful wife. In all the years we've had our disagreements, you never blew up at me, never yelled at me, never got angry. How did you handle all that all these years? I know we've had days of tension, and, but you never reacted in a wrong way. Oh, she said, every time I got mad at you, I'd just go clean the house. He said, well, no. She said, I, here's, no, I, I said, she said, every time I got mad at you, I'd go clean the bathroom. That's what she said. He said, well, how in the world did that help? She said, well, I used your toothbrush. <laughs> now, that's a, I think I saw that at Brother Harold Vaughn's couples retreats where I saw that, or at least preparing for it. Uh, don't we often tend to respond to things like that? I can't believe you said that to me. Why would you, talk? Why, why would you accuse me of that? It's not what I meant. I have this tendency to respond wrongly. But I've learned that if I am listening to the Holy Spirit, all right, Holy Spirit, I know you're God, and you're in my life, and I, I'm not wise enough to know how to answer my wife here. I don't know how to respond to this appropriately. I need your wisdom. You know what I've discovered? The Holy Spirit knows the wisdom I need to answer my wife in such a way that the problem is solved and the love grows rather than diminishes. The Holy Spirit's just real in your life. You say, oh, I really struggle with my thought life. Then learn to do this. Help! Your purity, Lord. Your purity, I need your purity. I don't have the purity I need. I wish I were more pure. But Holy Spirit, you're as pure as pure can be because you are Almighty God and you are absolutely holy and absolutely perfect and absolutely pure and you live in me. Give me your purity. Give me your purity. Lord, I don't know how to answer my wife. we got a little moment here. We're feeling tense towards each other. Give me your wisdom. Give me your wisdom. And then I, I listen. My wife and I went on a date some months ago. And we both had a very busy day. We had a date planned that night. And uh, we, it was a beautiful day in Florida. We're home. And uh, we're going out. The kids have plans. And it's just me and my wife. We're going to go out. And uh, our day had come to an end. And she got ready. And I got ready. And we got in the vehicle together. And where we live in Florida, when you leave our driveway and go down to the interstate, make a right-hand turn, uh, before, I don't know, probably seven miles from that exit, we cross the bay. And it's beautiful. I love that drive calms my spirit. I cross the bay. I love the water. And I, I don't know how many times I've crossed that bridge and just brought peace to me. I love the water. And it was beautiful. And the sun's glinting off the water. Well, we get in the car and we, we back out and, 
So I said to my wife, well, it's been a busy day. How was your day? How was your day? We're going on a date. We're going on a date. We're going we're gonna to have a sweet date night. We do that once a week at least. Once a week we go on a date. We're going on our weekly date night. So how was your day? Oh, my goodness, I wish I hadn't asked. She had a terrible day, and she just unloaded, Pastor. I'm driving now. I'm all happy. I'm going on a date. Woo! It's going to be a good night. Good night. Good night. We're going on a date. How's your day? Oh, I was going to tell you, your kids. <laughs> They're trying to homeschool your kids. What were we thinking having five kids anyway? Why did we decide to homeschool them? I don't know how to homeschool and, and she's telling me, I've tried to teach her how to add two and two for days, and you'd think the kid is brain dead. And you're, and, 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 and then this, and, the, and I, I'm, I'm driving, and I'm serious about this. I'm driving. We're going on a date, and we're almost the bridge, and I'm like, my blood pressure's up. I'm feeling tense, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to kill my kids. And I was, I was, I was like, and I, I'm just feeling all this tension, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm starting to be bothered for crying out loud. I'm trying to take my wife on a date because I am an amazing man, okay? And now I'm all bothered and upset, uh, upset and I'm tense and I'm uptight and I'm like, this is going to be a great date. Sure going to ask how your day was. And uh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. I don't know what to say. I'm serious about this. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompted my heart, don't say anything. Listen. Listen. Because here's what I was going to do. I was going to tell her what to do about it. Sweetheart, tomorrow when you do homeschool, do it this way. She doesn't carry a gun, so I can get by with that. And uh, you do it like this, sweetheart. And this is what you're going about the problem in the house. And I was going to fix it. I was going to repair this situation. I was ready to take over. Holy Spirit, give me some wisdom here and help me. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't say anything. Okay. And my wife, my wife sits back in the chair in the passenger seat there. She reached over like this and she pats me on the hand. She goes, you're an amazing husband. Thank you for listening to me. I just really needed to share that. You're so wonderful. You're such a good husband. Just so blessed to have you in my life. And I'm driving along and I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, I'm a good husband. Like I didn't do anything. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's that practical. You've got to learn to look to the Holy Spirit. You've got to, you've got to learn to listen to him. You ever been out soul winning? You don't know what to say? I just don't know what to say. I've never had this question asked before. I don't know what to say. Help. Holy Spirit, help. Give me your... Don't you suppose the Holy Spirit knows what to say? Don't you suppose the Holy Spirit would know the answer? I don't. But I can say to the Holy Spirit, I want your life in me. Because I, I, I want you living through me. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. I don't, I don't know how to react. Holy Spirit, help. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. The, 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 point, the point here is that you're to depend on the Spirit to live His life in you and through you. It's His life. It's not your ability. So uh, he, he calls it living in the Spirit. So look to Him 
and listen to him. Two other things I'll tell you, we'll go to lunch. Lean on him. Lean on him. Lean on him. Uh, does, that, does that make sense to you? It's, 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 it's lean on him. That's the idea of depending. You, uh, you, 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 you're, you're leaning his direction. A leaning implies I, uh, I'm not able. Now, all of these are different words, but I, I know there's a lot of similarity to them, but you've got to learn to lean on him. I, I, I love motorcycles. I have a great friend in North Carolina who is a youth pastor, and he's always buying motorcycles and, and doing a little work to them, tweaking them, and then reselling them. makes a ton of money buying and reselling motorcycles. So I was preaching in, in, uh, in February, North Carolina, and, and I'm in a motel, and he called me. He's 20 minutes away. And he said, I have a brand new Ducati, new to me. I have a new Ducati motorcycle, and I'm going to bring it over and let you keep it for the weekend. So he shows up a few minutes later out in the parking lot of a motel. It's 9, 9 o'clock, 8.30, 8.45, 9 o'clock in the evening, Saturday night. He said, uh, what do you think about this? Oh, my word, it's a beautiful bike. In fact, I'll just show it to you. It's a beautiful bike. And there it was. That's in his living room. And uh, that's his motorcycle. So he let me have that bike. And uh, I said, uh, tomorrow's supposed to be beautiful, Sunday after Sunday day on Sunday. I'm going to preach Sunday morning. I'm going to ride that bike Sunday afternoon. He said, now, he says, got a little bit of problem. He said, I haven't quite throttled it down right. And he said, you got you to feather, you that know anything about it, you got to feather the engine a little bit to get the throttle up. And he said, you know, it's a Ducati, so you don't take off slow. You either get it revved and take off or you'll, you'll stall it. It will embarrass you. So you, gotta, you get on this bike, you ride it. This bike is meant to run. It's an Italian bike. When you get on it, you go. This is not a, this is not a, this is not a putt, putt, putt. This is a, all right? You got the difference in that? So I said, well, I better try it out. I better try it out. My wife's up in the room, and Jacob's my son. He's here beside me. I said, Jake, I'm going to just take it down the, down, the, down the road here. Just I'll just run down here a mile or two, and I'll come back just to kind of get an idea. And uh, he said, well, he said, uh, I just jumped on it. No, 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 he said, get off that thing. He said, I put my coat on. He gave me a leather coat. Zipped it up. Got to put my helmet on. Put your gloves on. Put a helmet on. Got everything, put my gloves on. Had, had a brand new pair of jeans on, brand new pair of Dockers boots. I, uh, I looked good. <laughs> Crank it up. Boy, it was loud. It was loud. And he was right. You don't just ease out. You got you to gotta get your, your when, you, when you release the clutch, you're going to move. So I swung that thing around the motel driveway a little bit. Came down here to the road. It's 9 o'clock at night now. Make it right. It's dark outside. Make it right in turn. I'm in an industrial park in the road like this, and, and you, you go down around a curve. It's not sharp curves, but just, you know, just kind of a whiny, and then you hit this long straight, and there's a cul-de-sac. I'm going to ride down that cul-de-sac and come back, and nobody's out here tonight. It's the middle of the night. Nobody's out here. So I jumped on that bike, popped that clutch, <laughs> hit second gear, third gear, fourth. When I hit fifth gear, I glanced down. I was going 70 miles an hour, and it felt great. And so when I realized I was going 70 miles an hour, I'd just come around a curve. Oh, this is great. And I'd straightened up, looked down 70 miles an hour, glanced back up. And there were three deer came running out on the road in front of me. I'm going 70 miles an hour, and there are three deer from here to the back of the wall. I mean, they're just right there. They're running down the road with me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, I'm going to hit these deer. I mean, they're coming fast. I mean, all these things are my... And, 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 and I'll tell you, I didn't hit them. Instead, I hit the pavement. I wiped that bike out at 70 miles an hour. Wiped her down. I laid her over. That was after I laid it over right there. I did almost no damage to the bike. It was a miracle. It really was a miracle. 
I laid that bike over and uh, took part of the helmet off, ripped my jeans to shreds, took the hide off my kneecap, destroyed my brand new pair of Dockers boots, <laughs> ripped part of the jacket, and stood up, shaking and hating deer. <laughs> if I'd had a gun, Jesus would have called it home. Had stood the, stood the bike back up and got the pieces of the helmet. I did take the turn signal off, put the turn signal in my pocket, and I stood the bike up and it fired up and I rode it back. And I got back up there and I and I parked the bike. I'm done. I'm not riding this bike again. And I took the glove off, and that's when I realized my hand goes whoosh. I broke my hand. So the only thing I did, take the hat off my knee and broke my hand. The next six weeks were terrible. I couldn't bathe myself. I had a hard time feeding myself, getting dressed. One of the hardest things I have ever done is lean on others. One of the hardest things I've ever done is to say, sweetheart, can you help put toothpaste on my toothbrush? I had to lean on her for all kinds of things. Truly, I hated it. I can do it. I'm a man. I don't need help. My wife said to me one day, you know, if you'd asked for help, this would be a lot easier on you. She said it to me. I just want to tell you. I just want to tell you. If you'd asked for help, you do know that I can help you. I wasn't born yesterday, sweetheart. I may be a woman, but I can help you brush your teeth. She, she said this to me, she was, she was, and she was right. How often do you live your Christianity in your own strength? I know that's wrong, and I gonna, I'm not doing it. I'll tell you right now, I mean it. I can handle it. You know what he's trying to tell you in Galatians 5? You will never be saved long enough to handle Christianity on your own. You will never get enough education under your belt to handle this on your own. You will never be saved long enough to where you no longer need help in your life. The Holy Spirit is in your life. Lean on Him. Lean on Him. Look to Him. Listen to Him. And here's the last thing, and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll go to lunch. And the last thing is simply live in His strength. Live in His strength. Listen to me. You don't have the ability. You don't have the power. You can't do this on your own. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody, you may have never won a soul to Christ in your life, but I'm telling you, if you'll ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill you with His power, and if you will go knock on a door and ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you His wisdom and His words to say to these people, I'm telling you, every one of us can win somebody to Jesus and probably do it this week. You see, i got a conflict in my room. that She rubs me the wrong way. She just rubs me the wrong way. I'm just telling you, I know this is Baptist College of Ministry and we're to be spirit-filled holy people, but she is unholy. We often can think that about interpersonal relationships. But if I'm walking in the Holy Spirit, I can, I can say, all right now, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Help me to respond the way you'd have me respond. Help me to react. Wouldn't it be amazing? Tell me this now. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I what? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Okay. I prayed this one time. Tell me if you think this is a weird prayer. I said, Lord, would you take over my life in such a way that the Holy Spirit is in full charge? 
in such a way that that hand is yours. That's your hand. These eyes, they're your eyes. These are your ears. This is your voice. Those feet, those are yours. This belongs to you. Christ liveth in me. Okay, Holy Spirit, if that's true, it's true that you live in me. I want these hands to be yours. I prayed this, students. I said, Lord, I don't even know if this is possible. Would you help me live in such a way that when my kids wonder what Jesus looks like, they would wonder, reckon Jesus looks like Daddy? God, help me to respond to every situation in such a way that my kids would wonder. Reckon that's how Jesus would have responded? You know, the key to all of it is the Holy Spirit. I ran out of gas on I-65 south of the Tennessee border in northern Alabama, pulling a 50-foot fifth or a 40-foot fifth wheel. I ran out of fuel. A few months ago, ran out of fuel. I'm sitting on the side of the road with a diesel pickup truck with no fuel. I've been pulling an RV for 20-some years. I ran out of fuel. I felt like an idiot. I'm sitting on the side of the road. I ran out of fuel. My kids are in the car, the truck. My wife's in the truck. I ran out of fuel. I can see an exit up here at an Amico service station. I got out of the truck, jogged down the interstate, jogged off the exit, jogged to the Amico service station, and they had two one-gallon red containers for fuel, $19 a piece, and I bought them, put diesel fuel in them, went in to pay for it. You know what the guy behind the counter said to me? <laughs> Did you run out of fuel? <laughs> said, no, I'm just going to put this in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> now, here I go, walking up the interstate. I wasn't jogging now. You ever tried to carry two-gallon containers for about a mile? I know what people are thinking. Zoom! <laughs> <laughs> he ran out of fuel. Bet that's his RV back there. I walked back up there and put fuel in, had to prime the thing, get the fuel injectors to pump enough fuel in to get it cranked. It was a nightmare. I will never forget, though. Got back in the truck, went down to the Amico, filled it up, pulled back out onto the interstate. Hour and a half later, my wife says to my kids, Hey, kids, did you notice your daddy? said, boys, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you can respond to every negative situation just like your daddy did. I, I was a little dumbfounded because I'd prayed about that. Lord. Help me to react to the issues of life and the situations that come my way and the temptations of my life. Not in my strength, but in yours. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit wants to be that real in your life. 
but on purpose. You have to look to Him and listen to Him and lean on Him and let Him take charge. He loves you. He loves you. If you'll let Him, He'll do some really great things in your life. Is that real? He's so wonderful. He's real in your life. So let Him have His way. Let him take over. Learn to look to him and listen to him and lean on him for his strength. You do it. I'm telling you what you'll find out. You'll find out that in your life, Jesus will live. Your response in your room will be Jesus. Your hands, those are Jesus. Your answers to a question at a door while you're soul winning won't be your vast knowledge, but Jesus. And that's what Paul's trying to teach us here in this passage. Father.